What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, John B. I write for gangreennation.com on SB Nation. It's a site that covers the Jets. And the Jets are beginning their regular season this Sunday. They play the Cincinnati Bengals at 1 o'clock at MetLife Stadium. And today we're going to break down the game a little bit and take a look at the opponent. Joining us is my SB Nation colleague, Rebecca Toback. She runs CincyJungle.com. Rebecca, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I guess my first question would be about the team's mindset entering the season. And I'll admit, I always hate it when people try and play kind of amateur armchair psychologist when it comes to athletes, because there's so much fans don't know. But just looking at this from an outsider, when you look at the way the Bengals season ended last year, and I'm going to try and phrase this in a way that won't rub salt in the wounds, because as a Jets fan, I think we all we all we've suffered our share of heartbreaks on, in New York. But you know, I look at that, and you know, it's one thing to lose a playoff game, but you look at what happened to the Bengals. They had the whole thing where they had been one and done four straight years. They have this great comeback against their rivals. And then the team kind of self-destructs at the end of the, uh, the wild card game against the Steelers. So kind of wondering where the where you think the team's mindset is now, how the team is responding to that loss, and how the fan base feels heading into this season. Yeah, so I think right now the biggest problem for them is that the national media won't stop talking about it. So I spoke last week with Michelle Tafoya, who's going to be covering the first game. Um, and she said that her her plans are to start talking about that with them when they get there. When the MMQB came to Bengals training camp, that was all they wanted to talk about. And the players were kind of like running away, trying to avoid interviews because they're not interested anymore in talking about something that happened eight months ago, nine months ago at this point. Um, so I think for them, they want to move forward and move past it, but they're kind of not being allowed to because anyone who comes into contact with them who isn't from Cincinnati, that's what they want to talk about. So it's definitely going to be part of the discussion in week one. It's then again going to be part of the discussion in week two because they play the Steelers. So I don't think that it's going anywhere as part of the discussion right now, but I do think that they've kind of changed their mindset and have a very strong focus looking forward to kind of not let that happen again. And one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting that the team did was they asked the offensive players to challenge Vontez Perfect and Adam Jones in practice and kind of see if they could throw them off their game and see if they could cause them to react negatively in an effort to show them what it's going to be like this year, because teams are going to continue to try and get them to do something that, Obviously, the Bengals coaches aren't going to want them to do. Um, so they are planning ahead for that. And I think that everything that's happened this offseason and all the attention that that loss, which was really catastrophic, has caused will propel them forward and get them to be more focused moving forward and not having these like after the whistle antics. 
that's you know that's one of the it's interesting point you brought up and it's one of the things i always wonder is how much of how much of it when you hear a team has trouble getting over the hump how much of it that gets into their head is just because people won't stop talking about it um one of the how is the, how are the fans feeling entering this season are they confident in the, in the team um you know, it's it's one of those things. I I can't help but empathize again as a Jets fan because we certainly have been through our share of heartbreaks. You know, you go through a loss like that, and you you're losing fifteen nothing in the fourth quarter, and you know you lose you get shut out, you lose fifteen nothing. You say so be it. We didn't have our quarterback. Andy Dalton was hurt. How are the fans feeling entering this season? I really think for the large majority of fans, the mindset still is that the Bengals are not only a playoff contender, but a Super Bowl contender. I think that when you make it to the playoffs five years in a row, which only four other NFL teams have done, it's just a really big motivational boost to the fans and thinking there's no reason that we're not going to get back there again. Um, So I do think that the playoff situation really did bring a lot of fans down, but I think heading into week one, the opinions are pretty high and looking forward to another great season. Um, so there's definitely people who want Marvin Lewis fired and are done with him in general, but I think the very large majority of people do have a, a pretty high expectation for what this season is going to be like. Yeah. Lewis is an interesting guy to me because I feel like in some ways it's unfair that he's gotten this rap because he hasn't won playoff games and uh, granted he probably should have, I feel like he probably should have won a playoff game here or there. But making the making the I mean making the playoffs five years in a row is quite an accomplishment. I know it's not again, you know, it's not what you you you'd like more. But I think back to when the Bengals hired Lewis, and it's very easy to forget. I mean, at that point, they were a team that was kind of like where the Browns are now, where they were just couldn't get out of their own way. They were bad every year. It seemed seemed hopeless, and he he's really kind of turned that franchise into a winner. You know, maybe not as big of a winner as you'd like to see at this point yeah. <laughs> but you know it's like i feel like he almost doesn't get enough credit because for the way he's turned this franchise around because this is you know it's a franchise where they don't you know the owner doesn't they don't have great facilities from what i understand they're usually i mean they'll i'm not going to say they've never spend in free agency they have locked up a lot of their own players and they'll go get a player here or there but they're not they're not right. throwing money around like the way dallas is or washington or you know the jets are so I feel like right. he's he's kind of created a, he's created a sustainable winner there. In some ways, I feel like he almost doesn't get the credit he deserves for that. Yeah, I I agree, and I don't think that he ever will until they win a playoff game, which hopefully will be this season. But it's just, I guess there's a big sense of like how many playoff games can you lose? He's now the biggest. He has the biggest losing record in the playoffs of any NFL coach without being fired. So I think it's just a lot of things that the media is never going to let up on. um, And one of them is him just losing in the playoffs year after year, but it does take a lot to get to the playoffs every year. And like you said, you just have to look back at where the Bengals were 13 years ago before Marvin Lewis came to Cincinnati, because it was a wreck. Um, Like people were embarrassed to be Bengals fans. No one, you know, it was just a horrible time to be a Bengals fan. So he's really completely changed the culture, completely changed the way that players perceive the Bengals as an organization Um, and so I think that's why he is still the coach because when you look back to where they were compared to where they are now it's just such a big difference even if they aren't playoff wins 
again, and I keep repeating this, as uh, Jets fans can empathize with that, certainly. Um, yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about some of the key. Uh, what were some of the key moves this offseason, either players that the Bengals gained or lost? So the biggest losses were Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu on offense. They were the number two and three wide receivers last year, and now they're both gone. So that was really the number one thing to handle this offseason was getting wide receivers who could come in and be adequate replacements. So someone you, you guys are very familiar with, um, Brandon LaFell has come in and he's going to be the number two wide receiver to start the year. And then um, they also got in the second round of the draft, Tyler Boyd. So he's right now going to be taking on the slot receiver role, could push LaFell um, depending on how things work out with him. So that's really, those are the biggest both losses and gains. Um, on offense. And then on defense, they lost Reggie Nelson, who was the NFL interception leader last year. So that's going to be a really big hole to fill on defense. Um, but they have Sean Williams, who was a backup last year. He's stepping into the starter role. They paid him a huge contract um, extension this offseason. So they really believe in him. And from what I've heard talking to um, people around the NFL, they really believe that he's going to be able to step in and fill the role that Nelson has taken for the last many last five years, I believe in, um, in Cincinnati. And then as far as an addition on defense, Carlos Danzi, um, at linebacker came in from the Browns and he's really going to help get through the Vontez perfect suspension, which is also going to be a big storyline this week because he's not going to be playing. Um, so Dansby will definitely be starting. So will Vinny Ray. He'll be the starter in, in place of perfect. Um, and yeah, his, and be doing well will really go a long way in helping to fill the void of perfect while he's out. Now, as far as off the field, uh, or not, I'm sorry, not off the field, the coaching staff, there was some turnover as the uh, Bengals offensive coordinator, Hugh yeah. Jackson went to uh, Cleveland. So how do you, how's the trend? How do you feel the transition is looking right now to the new offensive coordinator? I think it's looking really great right now. So the new offensive coordinator is Ken Zampezi, who was the Bengals quarterbacks coach for the last 13 years. So he's been with the team since Marvin Lewis came in. He's been Andy Dalton's coach for the last five years. So I think it's been in the preseason. We really saw a lot of the same stuff that we saw last year, the same kind of play calls, the same switching up the offensive line and like trick formation. So I think that it's going to be a lot of what we saw last year and maybe a combination of the three offensive coordinators that he was a quarterback's coach under during his time in Cincinnati. So, so far so good. I think the starting offense did as well as they could have done in the preseason. So there really hasn't been any questioning or uncertainty regarding him so far. Hey, you touched on this a little, a little earlier, but are there any other guys on this team who are stepping into bigger roles internally? Maybe it's a guy who was a rookie last year who didn't play, who's stepping into uh, a starting position. Maybe it's just a guy you know, moving up the depth chart. Are there, are there any other guys? Yeah, so one person, and I think that this will be really key for the game because I've heard about some, um, I guess, questions about your offensive line as well. But on our offensive line, Cedric Obwehi is the new uh, starting right tackle taking over for Andre Smith, who left to go to the Vikings this offseason. So he is a second-year player. He really didn't play much at all last year. He spent the first six weeks of the season on the pup list um, and then came in 
and didn't really play much except for on some like extra jumbo packages and stuff like that. So it, and then he hurt his toe in the preseason opener. So he played for two quarters, not even of the first preseason game and hasn't played at all since then. He is practicing this week. He is expected to start. So that's going to be a really interesting situation because we really don't know what to expect from him. And the hope is that he's going to be able to play at a high level, but there's really no way to know that for sure at this point. How does the Bengals, Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say also, like I said, Sean Williams is another person who's really stepping into a much bigger role this year. And it's a little uncertain exactly what um, to expect from him at safety. So he's going to be another player to keep an eye on. How have the Bengals draft picks looked through the preseason and training camp? So it's been um, an interesting preseason because the Bengals have experienced a lot of injuries. So our first round draft pick, William Jackson, he was injured in like the third day of training camp. He's done for maybe the year, but he's on IR. He could return later on in the season, but that's not certain at this point. He tore his pectoral muscle really awful situation and then the fourth round rookie who also is on defense and was expected to be a contributor this year Andrew Billings um, he tore his meniscus in also in training camp before the first preseason game so didn't play at all and he's done for the year Um, so those two who were going to be potentially big impact players this year are not going to play at all Um, And Jackson really wasn't going to be an impact player, but he was going to be a rotational player and now is lost for at least eight weeks. Um, And then Tyler Boyd is the other one who's going to be as the starting slot receiver. So he's looked really great um, and has been really impressive so far in the preseason. I think everyone is excited to see what he can actually do in a real game because so far in the preseason, he's just made play after play. um, And it should be really interesting to see him against the Jets secondary. So the hope is that he can supplant LaFell at some point this season, but right now he's going to be the number three wide receiver. Um, And other than that, there's not too many rookies expected to majorly be contributing, but we have an undrafted um, wide receiver and kicker turner, Alex Erickson, who really was never expected to make the team and blew away the competition, which was Brandon Tate, who ended up getting cut. Um, And so he will be returning punts and kicks on Sunday. And it's going to be really, we're hoping for great things from him. He had an 80 yard um, punt return for a touchdown during the preseason and had like a 41 um, yard return average through the first three preseason games, which is just insane. So um, hopefully that continues into the regular season as well, which is definitely the expectation for him. How's the kicking game look? Um, <laughs> that's probably one of the, one of the weaker points and something that Bengals fans aren't that happy about. Um, Mike Nugent just has, he missed, I think, three field goals in the first two games. Um, so that's not necessarily their biggest strength right now. And he was actually, he was on the Jets, right? He, he was he a was, Jets draft pick. Not only was he a Jets draft pick, he was a Jets second round draft pick. The Jets. Yes. <laughs> So do you remember, you, remember, you remember the playoff game in 04 when Doug Bryan missed the two field goals against the Steelers? Yeah. In, typical, in typical Jets fashion, fashion, they overreact and take a pick kicker in the second round. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's who we've got. Um, and he, he causes a lot of Bengals fans a lot of 
anxiety, I guess would be the best word because I'm not confident in his ability right now. And I would say that most Bengals fans feel the same way. So uh, at the risk of this being an overly simplistic question, just what are the strengths and weaknesses of the Bengals on their offense and defense? On offense, I would say the offensive line with the exception of this one new starter who we don't know how he's going to play yet, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think the offensive line is going to continue to be a big strength for the Bengals. Um, On defense, I would say the same about the defensive line there. Without a doubt, the strength of the team, the depth behind the starters is a little questionable um, at best, but the starters I would argue are some of the best in the league. Um, Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins, both had over 10 sacks last year each. And I think that they're really going to look to be starting some sack records this weekend against um, your offensive line. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's Gino Atkins against this offensive line scares me. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree. I think that's one of the things that Bengals fans are really looking forward to is seeing how the two of them and also Michael Johnson do against, um, against your offensive line, which I hear has some, question marks uh yeah the right the, the right side is a uh, full of question marks right brian winters is the right guard he was a third round pick three years ago who has really struggled in his nfl career and right tackle breno giacomini is on the physically unable to perform list he's right. been the starter of the last two years and um Jets, Jets still don't know who's starting. It could be one of two guys. It could be ben Ajalana, who's been with the team for like three years but barely played. He actually was a second-round pick of the Colts back in 2011, and then the other guy is Brent Cavale. I mean, the, I think the thing is, I'm not sure how much of a downgrade it, these guys will be because Giacomini was one of the it was one of the least effective starters in the league last year. But either way, that's area that kind of scares me as a Jets fan. Yeah. Um, what uh, I guess I'll close, but just by asking you, what key injuries are the Bengals looking at this week? Uh, which guys are banged up, and how likely are they they to play on Sunday? So, like I said, there's like a lot of injuries that they're dealing with, but almost all of them are going to play this weekend. Um, so Tyler Eifert's the number one injury on the team. He will not be playing this weekend. He's going to be out for at least a few weeks I think targeting a week four to six return so you guys don't have to worry about him and if he was healthy I would have said that was the Bengals biggest strength the tight end position because I think he's going to have another great year once he gets back on the field Um, then outside of that the slot corner Darquez Denard has been dealing with an ankle injury for about five weeks now so he did practice yesterday and is expected to play but he hasn't practiced in five weeks so he might be a little rusty. Um, the same goes for Eifert's backup, Tyler Croft. He hurt his knee also in the first week of training camp. Hasn't practiced at all until Monday. He's also expected to play, so he'll be the starter at tight end, which really isn't a great situation for us because he hasn't practiced at all and is a backup going into a starting role. Um, other than that, the Obwehi injury, which I said the right tackle, Um, And then also his backup, who's also a second-year player, he was our second-round draft pick last year, Jake Fisher. He hurt his ankle in the second preseason game when he was starting because of what he was hurt. Um, So neither of them have practiced um, until Monday also. They both practice Monday and both should be able to play um, on Sunday. So that's 
about it. Um, there's been a lot of injuries, but almost all of them are coming to an end and they're all getting back on the field at the best time. So it should be okay other than Eifert, who's definitely not going to be playing. All right. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was Rebecca Toback. Uh, she runs Cincy Jungle, SB Nation, Cincinnati Bengals blog. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast. I'm John B. Until next time, have a great day. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. The list.